and welcome to Loving Your Life. Today, we have another interesting guest who joins us. Her name is Amber. Hello, Amber, and welcome to the show. Hi, Dola. How are you? I'm great. I hope you're great too today. (laughs) Of course, I get to be a mom and stay home for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So Amber is a PA, a physician's assistant right now, but you'll hear how she got there. And I hope to inquire, um, to inspire, sorry, those who don't exactly know what they want right out of the high school gate, so to speak, but will end up following their own response, responding to their own intuitive cues as to where their rightful place is, where I think Amber is at the moment. So let's begin at that point. Just briefly, Amber, give us an idea of where you were or how you were guided or not guided in high school as you were leaving high school. So leaving high school, I graduated with a class of about 150, 160 students. So getting guidance into a career was kind of, they did the basic um, career surveys where, you know, it matched you with what they thought your personality was like. Mm -hmm. And I honestly can't even tell you what mine was. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of left high school with you know, different ideas of where I saw myself Um, with going to Hamburg here locally. I feel like a majority of the students graduating think that they want to go into teaching because we have such a good experience with the teachers that we've had. And we see the happiness and the joy that they have that, you know, we all kind of aspire to be them, Uh which is great, but also not realistic because you can't have, you know, 450 new teachers every year. So (laughs) I wasn't quite, quite sure what I wanted to do. You know, like I said, I I had different ideas, but kind of wandered out of high school and just kind of went with life for a little bit um, and didn't quite know where I was going to go. So not very uh, unusual, right? Not very unusual as we leave high school, not to have gotten you know, any sort of really um, intentional guidance from people who um, who have that kind of ability to help us uh, decide with our personality and our interests. But um, how is it that you then, okay, so what was the first thing that you ended up doing? So um, I got married right out of high school mm-hmm. and my husband at the time was in the Marine Corps. So I went down to live with him down in North Carolina And I went to school for the basics in business and accounting (laughs) because I love numbers. I love how it's black and white and that, you know, you know what you're kind of getting yourself into. And so I graduated out of the community college down there with a two-year degree, like I said, in business and accounting. Mm -hmm. And that's when we moved back home um, after my husband got out of the Marine Corps and I actually went and worked for M&T Bank for a little bit. Hmm. Um, I went to their call center and I lasted about three months. I absolutely hated it. I thought it was <laughs> the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Oh my I still have nightmares about doing the job. It's not for the faint of heart. Oh so um, I have a lot of respect for those who work in that field. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned very quickly that people are either overjoyed that you're working with them in their money or they hate you and they're going for your throat. So <laughs> that was, that's not my personality. So right. I know um, that. 
<laughs> yeah. So oh, I was scratched off. <laughs> yeah. So I I ended up taking a job at Rite Aid, mm-hmm. um, uh, on the corner of William and Jefferson, and kind of the interesting part of town, um, mm-hmm. with a very different group of individuals that you know I didn't grow up with. Mm-hmm. So I got to kind of learn all aspects of life, which I really liked, you know, being growing up in Hamburg, you know, there's one lifestyle, then going into the military, you're kind of in this melting pot of all kinds of people. And then, you know, going to work at Rite Aid, I got to meet, you know, a whole nother group of people. And I really loved working and even just that little sliver of medicine. So I ended up getting into, um, Erie Community College for respiratory therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a year behind my husband because he kind of found the program first and everything he was talking to me about, I loved and I thought it was wow. really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Great. yeah, so that's kind of how I started in medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated in 2014 and we went to Pittsburgh to work at the Children's Hospital. Um, as respiratory as- therapist? Yep. Yep. So we worked in pediatric critical care Mm -hmm. um, down at the Children's Hospital down there and loved it. It was a wonderful experience. Um, But I found that as a caregiver, I had a hard time not knowing everything else that was going on with the patient and only knowing what I was trained to do. So I very quickly realized that I needed to go back to school again. And that's how I ended up in PA school. So, um, did you decide that though? What was, what were the component pieces that, that led you to that PA track? So with having, um, the respiratory background, Mm -hmm. um, so PAs are kind of a melting pot of medical backgrounds. So you can, you know, you can be a nurse, you can be um, a paramedic, you can be a respiratory therapist, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of any field, as long as you have experience in medicine, or you can go right out of high school as well, um, into the program, but it's kind of a mix of backgrounds. Whereas nurse practitioner, which was another mid-level position that was an option, I would have had to go through nursing school and everything else first. Mm -hmm. So, with starting a little bit behind in comparison to the cohort that I was going in, cause I was starting at 26. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought PA was kind of the best track for me. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like, logical. Very, very yeah, logical. And I, also, I also like, you know, as a nurse practitioner, you kind of choose a field and that's what you specialize in. Whereas a physician assistant, you're trained in all fields. Mm. So if um, at any point you decide you want to try something new, you can switch and you are trained by the physician that you work for. Mm -hmm. So I liked the option of being able to kind of learn new things. If for some reason, I don't like what I'm doing. That's great. So you presented yourself with an opportunity to explore whatever field made more sense for you as you went forward. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I liked the fact that I wouldn't have to go to school again to have that opportunity. <laughs> so, so, so being a PA, you have to have, so you have to eventually have a bachelor's and then go into the specialization, right? 
Correct. So um, most programs are bachelor master programs. So the first, um, so if you were to start the program that I went through from the beginning, it's a five-year program. So the first four years are your bachelor's and then the last year is your master's portion of the program. Okay. With having schooling beforehand, I was able to kind of accelerate. So I did the program in three and a half years. So I ended up with a bachelor's and master's in science as a physician assistant. Mm-hmm. So, and then did you do internships or whatever with various types of doctors so that you then honed in on what your specialty really, you know, what, where you wanted to be? Yes. So during the um, last year and a half of the program, you spend, there's different time frames for each um, <clears throat> specialty. So you get two weeks in geriatrics, six weeks in pediatrics, and then there's like family medicine, orthopedic medicine, like all, all the different areas available to you. Um, so you do all of those rotations and then you also have two specialty rotations that you can choose what you want to do for a month to get kind of a view into something that you may not have been exposed to. So I chose to do a secondary surgery rotation and one in plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And is that when you discovered your love of surgery? <laughs> yes. So I went into PA school believing that I would want to go back down to Pittsburgh into the children's hospital and to continue working in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. Um I learned in my pediatric rotation that I was hitting a point in my life where I working in a pediatric office was not interesting enough for me, mm-hmm. but working in pediatric critical care was also not an option because I want to start a wanted to start a family and I knew that I probably wouldn't handle kind of the ups and downs that you need to be able to manage of pediatric critical care as well as I did before being ready for that kind of transition in my life. So when I went into my surgical rotation, I just absolutely fell in love. And it was kind of the last thing that I thought I would like going into rotations. Wow. So what do you attribute that to? Do you think you just stumbled into it by luck? Or Amber, or did you did you sort of, you know, figure that out in your mind? I mean, I, I don't know whether the process was more mental or intuitive or, you know, really like a thinking process versus you know, just a feeling process? What was it? Was, so for me, it was more of a feeling process. So mm-hmm. every rotation, I kind of went in with an open mind because of course, all of us students kind of talk about how their, you know, rotation went, whether they liked it, what they hated, what they loved, you know, all those mm-hmm. kind of things. And I tried to kind of go in with a clean slate. And when I went for my surgery rotation, I actually went to the VA hospital. Mm-hmm. So I love that patient population, um, with having my husband being a veteran himself. Mm -hmm. So I was really excited just to be in that hospital. And then the preceptor that I had at the time was just amazing. You know, he took me under his wing and showed me everything that was possible in all aspects of surgery. And even let me kind of work with the plastic surgeon that they have at the VA so that I could see general surgery versus a specialty And I just, I felt at home rather than, Mm. you know, this, the student sitting in the background trying to figure out what's going on and how I can at least 
not be a burden on the preceptor and try to contribute. And I just kind of fell into my place there. And that's kind of how I found my love of surgery. Yeah. And it sounds like you did that relatively early on, even though you left high school with the same quandary that most of us leave high school. Like, what am I going to be when I grow up? So, Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting because, you know, before we started our rotations, they did that whole, uh, they did the slideshow of what we thought we would want to be when we finished PA school. And like I said, I had pediatrics as my um, primary, yeah, as my primary choice of what I would do. Mm -hmm. And at the end, I ended up accepting a job in neurosurgery, working for a back surgeon in a very Mm -hmm. um, high stress you know, quick moving field, um, which was completely opposite of what I kind of expected. And I had that job. We graduated in December of 2018 and they had reached out to me in June of 2018. So they actually waited for almost six months for me to graduate so that I could accept the job. Wow. Wow. And that was in which field? Were you talking uh, about? neuro it was a neurosurgery okay yep. and so so what was your so how did you end up leaving there when they waited for you to join them and you were sort of thinking this was it right yeah so I loved my job um mm-hmm. the surgeon I worked for was amazing the PA that was kind of my secondary like you know we were two peas in a pod and worked <laughs> great together mm-hmm. but the I had a really hard time telling people that they had to have surgery. It was Mm. really heavy for me to Mm. kind of tell someone that it was, you know, sometimes life or death, or even, you know, a matter of quality of life that they would have to have surgery. Um, And that's not unserious. That's that's serious surgery. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were literally doing full blown back surgeries or neck surgeries where, you know, your rehab is not a few weeks, it's months to a year to sometimes two years, you know, just trying to rehab you back to some type of normalcy. And Mm -hmm. it was hard because even if you did the surgery successfully, they Mm -hmm. never were going to get back to the person that they were before because it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So kind of having to have those conversations and prepare them for what their new normal was, was really difficult for me. So mm-hmm. as much as I loved the job, it was, I'm very, uh, overly empathetic. So I took my feelings home and it was, it was kind of tough. Got it. Wow. Yeah. I did, I did not know that piece of it. Um, so that kind of eliminated almost one part of your, your interest in pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly had no plans of ever leaving that job. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the opportunity with my current position presented itself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, when the doctor's office called me to see if I wanted to work with them, mm-hmm. I was actually five months pregnant um, <laughs> with my daughter, Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And never thought a career change was in my horizon, at least not anytime soon. Right. So when they called me, I was like, well, can I come in and talk to you first before we kind of, you know, discuss what that job would be? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I went to the interview and I made it very clear that I was starting a family and, <laughs> you know, that this may not be the right time for them to add on a new provider if, you know, my, not that my pregnancy would be, you know, an issue, but just that I would only be able to be there for a few months before having to take a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone in the office took me right in and it was like, I was there the whole time. So yeah, well, I think your personality is, is, you know, really engaging. So I think that would probably be a a very easy, um, you know, decision for people in the office. Amber, when you look back, because it sounds as if you really just kind of like ambled your way through your career choices and now you're at a place where you really are happy. So how can you explain that to my listeners who are people who are sometimes, you know, really still unsure of what they want to be when they grow up, but more, more importantly, unsure of where their happy spot is. Cause I always say, you know, to follow your passion, but not all of us identify that. And you didn't either really necessarily right off the gate, but you, you sort of like, took each opportunity it sounds like and yeah and, and, and took, you know and step by step you got there so what would you say about that <laughs> so so what I've found and so I have two younger siblings um they're 10 and 13 years younger than me so when they got to that portion in their life I kind of told them you know to some the way I did things was not the best way um I think we're told that there's a certain set of events that need to happen in a, in a certain sequence. You know, you go through high school, you graduate, you go to college, you get a job right away. That's your career. That's where you stay, mm-hmm. which may have worked in the past, but the, the opportunities are so vast these yeah. days. And there's so much that we don't know about ourselves yeah. that even though I didn't do it the most traditional way, mm-hmm. um, the way that I did things actually ended up working to my favor. So when, what I always tell, I told my siblings and I tell anyone that asked me for career advice or college advice is set yourself up to have options. Mm -hmm. So when I went to college the first time and I went for business and accounting, I made sure that I took courses that if I hated being in that field would set me up for the next part of schooling. Mm-hmm. So I had all of the prerequisites for respiratory school. So I didn't have to start at the at day one in respiratory school. So I was accelerated in respiratory school. And then I took extra courses while in respiratory school so that if I decided that that wasn't enough for me and wanted to continue on, that I wouldn't be again starting at day one. So Wow. Each, each part of my journey built on and added on to where I got. So one of the other things that I found um, when I got to PA school, many of my cohorts had bachelors in science from major universities, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which also came with, you know, 40 to $50,000 worth of debt. Yes. I started PA school accelerated with the rest of them and I didn't have debt because I went to community college. So I think many students 
discount the benefits of going to a community college versus going to a university because they think that only universities will transfer to higher level of um, degrees. And that's, that's not the case. So right off the bat, I kind of started ahead because yes, I only had a associates in respiratory that kind of set me ahead, but I had no debt. I had, you know, years of experience in the hospital. I knew how to care for patients. I knew that aspect. I knew what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Whereas not everyone I went to school with had that experience. So, and I think, that, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, I just think that's, that's undervalued. I do too. But how did you know that? Did you know that then? Or was it just dumb luck? Um, I think a, a little bit of dumb luck and also stubborn parents. So they, I wanted to go right into a university and they're like, nope, absolutely not. This is the amount of money we're willing to help you with. This is what we're willing to kind of help you with. And then if you want to do more, that's fine. But you're taking on that, that debt yourself. And I didn't want to set myself up with that debt. And so I, took on, you know, I I did a lot of research, found what colleges would transfer, what uh, credits would transfer if I wanted to, you know, continue Mm -hmm. and kind of tried to set myself up, but not everyone has that, has that backing. A lot of people are kind of, I think, fooled into thinking that they need that higher education or that, that name more than the education. Right. To move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but I also, I don't know, I'm, I'm just very stubborn, I guess. Um, so I, I always think I try to always think two steps ahead. So, um, I didn't want to have to worry about how am I going to study for school when I have to work to pay for the bills for the schooling I already had finished. So I made sure that I was finished and paid off of one thing before I started another. You know, Amber, so often, I guess I start to realize the benefits of not having, you know, been given all the money in the world to do whatever you want, you know, because in a way that causes you to really think strongly on what what makes logical sense to me. I can't afford everything in the world. Whereas a lot of kids are given everything. Um, You know, here's your four-year education. In fact, if you want a master's, we'll pay for it. We'll do this, we'll do that. That may in fact end up being a negative. Yeah. And and I don't think that the parents are doing something wrong. I just think, you know, it's definitely something that I'm grateful that my parents did not give me those options. We also did not at the time have those options. Um, I had grew up and I had a great life. I had many opportunities and everything I could ever want or need, Mm -hmm. but I, but my expectations of what I wanted and needed were very different than someone that grows up with everything that they Being want given and everything. Right. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. You I, know, I, like I, I was, I was happy to go camping for the weekend, you mm-hmm. know, in the middle of the woods in a tent that cost $25 <laughs> where not everybody likes that. And that's okay. Not everybody has that personality, but sure. it, my parents kind of taught me that if you can't pay for it, you probably don't need it. And yeah. if you do make sure that you're prepared for the consequences of 
having to pay for that. So, you know, that necessarily saying that to you, right? Exactly. Yeah. It it wasn't a conversation that we had. It was just the way that they presented things to me. So, um, when I actually went through PA school, um, my husband and I became the caretakers of our VFW, which is the veterans of foreign wars. Mm -hmm. It's a club for veterans who have gone overseas. Mm -hmm. So we actually became the caretakers of the facility. Mm. So our rent was very manageable. We took care of the property and it made it so that we were able to focus on going to school and we had saved up money. We worked kind of pretty much straight through for a year to save up money to go back to school. Wow. And then I worked for the Veterans Association at school to pay for schooling. So I ended up going through PA school and ending with my entire degree paid for. Oh my gosh. You know, Amber, that's inspirational in itself, honestly, because either we are given everything or we do end up with a great deal of debt. It's one or the other. It it doesn't sound like many of us, from what I understand, um, really are responsible 100% for our, um, our debts and can do that, can manage it and are planful enough that we can avoid um, you know, really exorbitant debt by the time we get out of college. Yeah. And I will tell you that I, um, I am very much a, I wake up, I go, and then I crash. Um, and that was me through PA school because I worked full-time for the veterans association. I was constantly looking for scholarships and any kind of funding available to me to help pay for school. Uh, like I said, we saved up uh, as much money as we could and had it in the bank. Um, I did have help from my father. Um, for some of it, uh, my grandmother ended up passing away during um, my last few years of PA school. Mm-hmm. And so some of my inheritance went to help pay for school. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. But honestly, a majority of it was through different scholarships and opportunities and working through the school. Like anytime something was offered to me, I took it. Mm-hmm. And I also learned to be humble and accept anything free. So free food. If someone invited me for dinner, I'm there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Like, oh my God. You know, yeah. and you don't, and, and there's to me, you know, having a few years of living broke, which we did not live poorly, but living Uh without all the extras that you feel you need really worked to our advantage because now we're, you know, we have bought our house, we're putting money into it and we're able to kind of do the things that we want. Of course. And even though to some people we're kind of behind and doing those things to me, I think we're ahead because we own two homes. We have, you know, uh, careers yeah, we are doing. Yeah, we have a family. Like we have everything we ever wanted, and we're only in our thirties. So I think we're actually ahead. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and to 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 make it clear, your husband's a PA as well. Yes, uh, Amber. So, you know, I know we have to close soon, but I really am inspired by your story. I'm, I, I think you have a very interesting story. You could almost get up on a TED talk. Um, when you said, you know, one of the pieces of advice that came out crystal clear and beautiful for me was to set yourself up for options. 
not a lot of people know how to do that. Somehow you knew what, you know, like, what's my next step if I don't like this step? What's my next? You are very thoughtful. So, yeah. So I think biggest thing is when you're going to that portion of your life, when you're trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do, you need to kind of outline what things you enjoy. So you can't have a job that you love and make the money that you want always. Mm -hmm. But I think there's always a good compromise. So writing down what things are important to you, like for me, it's family, it's, you know, time, it's not as it's not as much about the money, but just having an enjoyment in what I do and feeling that I'm in the place that I'm supposed to. And I always had that clear idea of who I was. So I made sure that I never lost sight of who I was in this whole process Mm -hmm. because I definitely got um, pushed back along the way. Uh, There was many times where I was told there's no way you'll be able to do that or there's you shouldn't do that or you're wasting your time or are you ever going to stop going to school or are you ever going to stop trying to find who you are? And I just always said, nope, I'm not there yet. Not there yet. I'm not there yet. And I always feel that I set myself up that I'm not there yet. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure out who I am, Mm -hmm. but I always make sure that I'm not setting myself back when I'm making those decisions. So just always being mindful of, you know, before you make a decision, think about it, make sure it's right for you and who you are before doing it, but that you can meander through life and, you know, your decisions and still make good decisions. You just, you just got to be mindful of what you're doing. And I honestly don't know how I got here other than, like I said, I'm very stubborn. Um, My husband and I work really well together. We, you know, we make our decisions together. We think things through and make sure that they're both, you know, that it's right for both of us and that we're kind of in that path. And I think, I I don't know, uh, uh, not always a very spiritual, spiritual person, but I do believe if you do good things and you put positivity in your life, then good things will come to you, you know, but you have to be ready for those setbacks and have to be ready for someone to say no, or someone to tell you, you can't do it. And you just prove them wrong. So, so you were, you were early on quite aware of your personality and your interests enough to say, to be very deliberate about an action plan, so to speak, step-by-step that kind of, even though it sounded like you you know, stumbled a little and went the wrong way, it was all very good for you to know, no, nope, it's not that. It's got to be closer to this. And I love that. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I think having someone to kind of help me through that, even though my husband was trying to figure out the same things, yeah. having, you know, find someone that's in that same portion of their life, whether it's a friend or, you know, a classmate or, you know, and kind of help each other out, figure out what's, what you're going to do, boost each other, you know, it doesn't regrets about the time it took you Amber to, to get there. No, because I, I feel that every stumble that I took Mm -hmm. just sent me in a different path. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, you know, everything happens for a reason and that you get to where you are because of the experiences you have. So I don't, you know, I wouldn't have if I had gone to PA school right out of high school, I probably would not be doing what I'm doing and I would not like what I was doing Mm. or I would not have known, okay, this is definitely not for me if I had, you know, done all those things. 
It doesn't sound like you uh, lack the courage, though, to make a change. <laughs> no, no. If I, <laughs> if I decide it's not for me, I definitely am like, okay, so what's my next plan? Where am I going next? <laughs> oh, my God, Amber. I just loved it. Um, Thank you so very much for being here. I, I hope the people that are listening got uh, as much as I got out of it because um, I, I try to counsel young people and doing what they love, but sometimes it's a, you know, like you said, a, a stumbling path and it's not straightforward. It's, it's kind of listening to the cues. And it sounds like you, you really listened to the intuitive cues that you, you know, received. Um, and you had the kind of like a, an underlying trust and faith and, you know, it, you'll get there. Exactly. And that's the thing, like I said, you have to be ready for your failures. You have to be ready for kind of the pushback of, no, that's not for you or no, you know, I don't think you can do this. And you just have to prove to yourself more than anybody else that, no, this is what I want to do, or no, this is definitely not what I want to do. And it's okay to have that happen. It's okay to go to school a few times, because as long as you're moving forward, then you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're a great example of a fearless um, pursuit of, of being in your rightful place. So I thank you so much again, uh, Amber, for being here. And I guess I'll talk to you soon. But thank you so very much. I really Yeah, no, thank you for letting me kind of be a part of this and, uh, you know, hopefully guide someone in their right path, because every path is different. And they need to see that it's okay to, to kind of go in a different, different way. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Amber. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Say hi to the baby. Oh, I will. Hey, Amber. All right, bye.